All right, well, we want to welcome you to the Going Places podcast today. Of course, I'm your host, Camden Clark here, and we got a solo episode today. It's just me. Just want to check in with you and uh, have some conversation. Uh, so no guests today, but we will have some very soon, and I'm pretty excited about this. I think we have some good opportunities coming up on the podcast. I know it's been kind of every other week for a while, but we're really about to start rolling now that the uh, getting closer to summer. Uh, as you know, for me, I'm homeschooled, so my summer break started about a week ago. I went a full 180, and uh, so I'm on summer break right now. So one thing that I particularly enjoy about this is getting out early is that I'm getting like an extra month compared to what public school is summer vacation to really uh, use that opportunity before everyone else gets out to uh, really just enjoy some opportunities and I've had a lot of that lately and we'll get into that but uh, yeah a lot of stuff going on lately Um, a lot of things going on in our world you know it's a big week uh, politically it's a big week in the sports world it's a really big week in the sports world um a lot of things going on just in the culture. Uh, the NFL draft was this weekend. That's something I particularly always enjoy as a football fan. We got to see uh, the draft hometown Carolina Panthers. Had the first overall pick, took Bryce Young. Uh, it was just really good. As a Georgia Bulldog fan, I particularly enjoyed that as well. Just all the different things that came with that. So uh, let's just get right into it. You know, watch the false night. Uh, Carolina Panthers had the first pick, obviously. They took Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young's a good pick. But personally, if I was them, when looking at the quarterbacks in that draft, the Houston Texans took C.J. Stroud from Ohio State second. I think it would have been a much better pick for the Panthers to take C.J. Stroud. Because I think, and I could be totally wrong. I hope I am. I think Bryce Young is an excellent quarterback. But he, I don't know about him as far as the NFL goes. I know he was great in college, but I don't know about him as far as the NFL goes. But when you look at, you know, his height, his weight, he's kind of a smaller quarterback, likes to run the ball the best. That always doesn't, they don't always last the longest in the NFL when they, that's kind of their structure. C.J. Stroud's a bit more in the pocket. You know, he has a great arm. He does run some, but he's very consistent in the way he plays. I think that's why Ohio State has done so consistently well the last few years. So I think that had a big part of it. But um, one thing that I was really surprised by was, you know, just today in the fourth round, Stetson Bennett was taken. Stetson Bennett was not looked at to be a one of the better quarterbacks of this draft, was not looked at to be a false rounder. There were reports saying he could potentially go undrafted. So looking at that, it was really a lot to you know take in with all that because I didn't know what was going to happen. But he ended up getting taken by the Rams in the fourth round. But quite frankly, I think in all actuality, from the way I look at it, Stetson Bennett's one of the best quarterbacks of this draft. Stetson Bennett's a false rounder. I mean, I don't know how Anthony Richardson from Florida or Will Levis, who I know there was a big controversy around that, you know, it, they were thinking he was going to be a top five pick. There was a ninety-two percent chance, according to ESPN analytics, that he would be taken in the false in, in the false five picks on the t- false ten picks. Uh, there was a point zero one chance that he wouldn't be taken in the first round, and that's exactly what happened. I think a lot of people were surprised about that. Um, another thing that I think people were surprised by was just how early Anthony Richardson was taken. 
because I was looking at Anthony Richardson like maybe a second, thought maybe even a fourth round quarterback, but he ended up getting taken top five to the Indianapolis Colts, and I think that was a big surprise. I know it was for me, but yeah. And I know there was a lot of controversy surrounding Will Levis, you know, the quarterback from Kentucky. He was there on draft night, expecting to get in the uh, false 10, didn't end up getting drafted. He sat there and waited and waited. And, you know, you feel bad for him because he's sitting there thinking his name's going to be called, and he didn't. But, I mean, look at quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had a similar situation like that happen. Uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady was chosen in the sixth round. I mean, that was just, just a totally random playoff that ended up being, you know, the greatest of all time, in my opinion. So, he ends up going home, leaving Kansas City, going back to his home in, I guess, Kentucky. As soon as he gets to the door... It's the second night, and the Tennessee Titans call and draft him. I think that was, you know, really good because Ryan Tannehill, he's in the last year of his contract. When you look at his contract, he has no guaranteed money left. So any of this money he's going to make this year, it isn't guaranteed. You know, the, the, he's got kind of half a foot out the door in Tennessee. But Will Levis is an excellent quarterback. I mean, he is just a, an excellent quarterback. I could really see if they decide to make him the future of that team. I think it would be great. He's a great quarterback. He has a great style, great arm, uh, great personality as well. You know, the Titans said they were really going to draft a character this year, and Will Levis is a quality character player. So I, I enjoyed watching that as well. But as a Georgia Bulldog fan, we had the most picks out of the draft. We had the most people selected in this draft from any other school. Uh, I think the one that a lot of people paid attention to on night one was Jalen Cordell. Uh, Jalen Cordell, I had him being a top three pick in uh, my mock draft. I think a lot of people saw him to be top three. He was the false non-play. He, a lot of people looking at him as the false non-quarterback drafted. So if quarterback's one thing, people were saying he could be the false overall pick. Um, however, he did have that legal altercation, which didn't seem to be from the details I read. It didn't seem to be a huge deal. I mean, yeah. I don't know if it was his fault or not, but he got into a, a driving altercation. He was driving late at night, uh, reckless driving. It didn't seem to be, I mean, maybe alcohol was a problem, maybe drugs were a problem, but didn't seem to be a problem. Started off in there. Everyone thought he was going to be a top five. Ended up slipping, was taken ninth overall by the Eagles, which is great for the Eagles. But at the same time, I think it was very surprising. I think it shows you. I think that could have kind of gone either way. It was kind of one of those things he could get picked in the first five picks. He could maybe be a late-round pick. Who knows? But uh, that was one thing I particularly enjoyed. Uh, in my mock draft, I had originally had C.J. Stroud going to the Panthers just because I felt like C.J. Stroud would fit that organization better and the type of offense they're running. They got a new head coach with Frank Reich, Frank Reich from the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they've really just overturned that whole team. So I was really thinking C.J. Stroud would be the one. Bryce uh, Young ended up being the uh, pick in that one, and I think he'll do good. So I look forward to watching that. Uh, night two, of course, like I said, Will Levis was taken. Hendon Hooker, quarterback from Tennessee, who was number one for a little bit. Uh, he was taken by the Detroit Lions. He's a great quarterback as well. Uh, just great quarterbacks taken. I think I'm yet to see an official number. Let's see if we can pull that up. But uh, I think there are a lot of quarterbacks that were drafted this year. And I particularly enjoy that because I did not enjoy last year's draft at all. I didn't watch the second or third round. I didn't. I just didn't. It was one of the worst drafts ever. I did not enjoy it because there were hardly any quarterbacks taken. But this year, 
I mean, there were no quarterbacks. It was the first time no quarterbacks were taken in the first five or in the first ten in a very long time. So I think that was a big surprise to a lot of people. But this year, when you look at the number of quarterbacks consistently drafted all weekend from Friday, from Thursday, Friday, and today, Saturday, uh, I think you saw almost like it made up for the amount of quarterbacks that weren't taken last year because they they took a lot from the full, I mean three in the full, three out of five in the first round. I mean the first five was uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. I think that was a big deal to a lot of people. But I mean I'm looking at the playoff selections right now, and okay Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Anthony Richardson, top three out of five. Then later on, that was all we saw that night. They were originally saying it could be five quarterbacks drafted in the first round. That would have been huge because they were projecting Hendon Hooker and Will Levis to be taken that night. They ended up not getting taken until the second one. But still nonetheless. And they've already... We've got one pick left to go as of right now. They, they just... Chicago Bears just selected Kendall Williamson. So Los Angeles Rams are about to pick Mr. Irrelevant. But so far, can we get a stat on how many quarterbacks have been taken? A lot. I know that. I know last year's draft, in the 2022 draft, first overall pick was Trayvon Walker from Georgia by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then Brock Party ended up being Mr. Irrelevant and last pick of the draft. And Brock Party, you know, they call up Mr. Irrelevant for a reason, but Brock Party ended up uh, making a playoff on. He ended up starting. That was one of the best stories in college football, I mean, in NFL football, I think. So we didn't see a quarterback drafted, actually. We only saw until pick number... 20 with Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh Steelers. That's virtually unheard of. You always have in the top 5, certainly in the top 10. If it would be top 20, that is pretty much unheard of. But, uh, yeah, I didn't enjoy watching last year's draft at all because I like watching quarterbacks taken, the leaders. And you didn't see that last year. Uh, Only 9 quarterbacks taken overall. When you look at this year... So far, it's been, I mean, how many have been taken? Yeah, f- six in the first two round, in the first three rounds. That's something special, I think. And then all the ones that were taken today, uh, Stetson Bennett, like I said, it blows my mind that he wasn't taken earlier. I mean, he led Georgia Bulldogs to two back-to-back national champions impeccable record but at the same time he is 25 which is like 73 for a college football player in college football player years it's like 99 so I think that was surprising a lot of people I think that probably held him back and then he did have that little that little legal slip up which honestly wasn't a big deal to me wasn't his fault I mean it was his fault but oh well um but they say well that may have held him back but apparently not because they were saying he could go undrafted, 
or maybe even the sixth or seventh round. But as we see, fourth round draft pick. That's that's decent. That's pretty good. That's more. That's more rounds than I'll be taking in. So. Yeah, I, I, will, I will tell you, this is one of the most enjoyable drafts I've watched. And I studied it every year. I always make a several mock drafts every year. Always studied it. But, yeah, I particularly enjoyed it. Meanwhile, in NBA land, the NBA playoffs, round one, has concluded. And it's a bittersweet moment. My Boston Celtics fended off the Atlanta Hawks pretty well. You know, they won the first game. Hawks ended up winning the second. T- turned out to be a little bit competitive back-to-back, but when it was all said and done, the Celtics got it in five games or six games, I believe. I think six, maybe five. And I really enjoyed it. We have a great team. We were number one in the NBA for most of the year. Uh, towards the end of the season, the Bucks got on us a little bit. The 76ers got up on us a little bit. But we stayed at either one or mostly two, some two, but mostly one overall the season. So I feel good about us. You know, I've got my bracket, which has been busted. I do, I do brackets for NBA teams, not college basketball, because there's too many teams in college basketball, but I did it for the NBA. I've got the Celtics and the Nuggets in the championship just because – the Nuggets are such a dominant force right now. I don't think anyone can stop them in the Western Conference. Uh, I don't think... Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. They beat the Timberwolves like a drum. Come back. Now they'll play in the uh, Phoenix Suns tonight. That's going to be a tough game. I think I think the Phoenix Suns, you know, they won the finals a couple years ago, but they got beat by the Bucks. I think that's going to be kind of a test if they're really finals material this year, if they can beat the Nuggets. Whoever beats the Nuggets is the lord of the NBA, in my opinion. Uh, Celtics, same way. I mean, the Celtics are about to face off against the 76ers. That's going to be really tough because that has been super competitive already this year. They are steadily at our ranking, number two, number three, throughout the year, number one even. So... When you look at them and see what exactly they're going to be end up doing, I think it's going to be really interesting. I mean, look at the team that the 76ers have right now. James Horden. Jul- uh, yeah, James Horden. Joel Embiid. Those are pretty much, that's kind of a dynamic duo right now because you got people like Joel Embiid, who's really big. And, you know, Senna won the big man era. That's one thing I've enjoyed about this year's NBA. It's the year of the big man. Joel Embiid, big man, playing Senna, uh, MVP caliber talent right now. Then you look at Nikola Jokic with the Nuggets in the uh, other conference. Big man, Senna. I mean, if he wins MVP this year, that'll be three straight years. That's unheard of. So, we'll see what happens there. But I love watching that. Uh, Nuggets... They've also got Jamal Murray, DeAndre Jordan, other players there. But I think the Celtics, and I'm and I am probably biased as a Celtics fan, but I think Celtics have the best team. And I think in a in a normal functioning season, they go to the championships and win. I think they should have beat the Warriors last year in the finals. They went to the finals last year, should have beat them. It was so close. And I I hated seeing the Warriors win. I hated seeing the Warriors win more than Celt- the Celtics lose, honestly. 
just because I'm so tired of the Warriors winning. But the Celtics won. Turned out to be the Celtics won this last series, and they have the best team. I mean, if you look at it, Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, uh, Blake Griffin, uh, Pushard is excellent. I mean, who else? I could go on and on. Uh, Al Hortfold. Yeah, he's still in there. He's still hanging on. He's like 62, but he's still playing. Um, no, he is. He's in his 30s, though. He's in his late 30s, early 40s, probably. So, we have a dynamic, dominant, extremely talented team. And I think we we really have a bright future. And I think it's our time right now. I think we can make a championship run this year. I don't know why we can't. We It barely slipped through the cracks last year. So, I think we can. Uh, the thing I really appreciate about the Celtics, and I was listening to someone talk about this last night on ESPN, actually. You know, the way that we live in the era of... Uh, championship basketball all being from they trying to make these super teams. These powerhouse teams where they take them from other teams. You know, the look at the uh look at what but, you know, we're gonna take this player from this team, trade them here, get them all together, but they've all played before. And that's okay I guess. But I really think there's something pure about drafting the players, keeping them there, building a franchise. Because that's how it used to be. I mean you look at players like Kevin Durant, who used to be uh, drafted by the Seattle Supersonics, and then they became the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, played there, then played for the Golden State Royals, won the championships with them, then went then went to the Nets, and that didn't pan out, played for the Nets, now he's with the Phoenix Suns, and yeah, they're playing great basketball, they have a great team over there with Chris Paul, and uh, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Booker, Devin Booker, He's playing great basketball. The Phoenix Suns are great. But it seems a little bit more manufactured in a way, I think. But, and one of the worst of them all was the Brooklyn Nets. So I'm just going to go on an anti-Brooklyn Nets rant for a couple minutes here. You know, it's like they try to make Ocean's Eleven basketball or something with, you know, they just try to, oh, we're going to put Brad Pitt with, you know, Tom Cruise and Chuck Norris and Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. It's like, if you have a movie that is just full of superstars, is it great? Yes, but isn't it also cringy because they're all that good and they're all together? Doesn't that kind of take away from it? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if there is a thing... That upsets me, and and upsets big basketball fans the most is that we live in this super team era where they it's like, it's like programmed. I mean, it almost reminds me of like making a little baby puppy in a lab. I don't mean to get you know that's kind of a stark example, but it's like they make it so perfect that you really don't see the talent progress and you really don't see it have to be walked on. So they do that. And, I mean, it, but it's not working. You know, you would think, okay, yes, you put all those teams together. And every time it happens, they say, oh, yeah, they're obviously going to win championships. I mean, look at the Brooklyn Nets for an example. I remember in 2020 when they had that huge free agency. They got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and, every, and DeAndre Jordan. Everyone was saying, this is the best team. They're going to win championships. Nothing can stop them. Well, they didn't win the championships. All those players have come and gone. 
That was something that annoyed me. But there was a lot of players like that that they try to add on. I mean, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving, James Harden even. Players that had stellar careers for one team for a while, and now they've just been bouncing around the last couple of years. But yeah, that's what the Brooklyn Nets tried to do. They got Kevin Durant, they got Kyrie Irving, they got DeAndre Jordan. And they're like, oh, we just need one more piece. So they got James Harden. And you're like, oh, okay, we're surely going to win championship now. Oh, we just need one more piece. Who'd they get? Blake Griffin. Now you're like, okay, we just need one more piece. Who are we going to get? Ben Simmons. But that failed. Because guess what happened this year? James Harden left for the 76ers. That was actually last year, I believe. Like, towards the second half of the last... No, that was before this year. That was right before the season. James Harden left for the 76ers. Blake Griffin left for the Celtics. Kevin Durant went to the Suns this year, traded. Kyrie Irving went to the Mavericks. They didn't want to, it just wasn't working out. You had so many superstars together. That's like putting a band together. And maybe that's why the Beatles didn't work out long term. Because they were just so great. There were so many great minds in there. I mean, that'd be like, we're going to make a rap group today. And we're going to put Kanye, Jay-Z, Nas... And, I don't know, Eminem, and think that's going to work out. It's not, because all of those are superstars in their own right, in their own sect. They're able to compete with each other, but if you put them all together, it just doesn't work out. But that's what they do. And, I mean, that's what, uh, who else has done that? The Suns have kind of done that in a way. Uh, The Heat hasn't really done that. They've got, you know, Jimmy Butler, who's playing great for them. But if you look at the true champions in the NBA, that did work out. And you see what they tried to force with the Rockets that same year. James Harden, they brought Russell Westbrook. Poor Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook was an MVP player, one of the greatest point guards of all time. Just playing incredible for the Oklahoma City Thunder. He should have probably quit right there or right after a stint with the Rockets. Because he goes to the Rockets, plays with them for two years, didn't pan out, goes to... Where did he go from there? I think he went to the Wizards. Yeah, he went to the Washington Wizards from there. That didn't pan out. He was there for like 10 minutes. Goes to the Wizards. Goes to the Lakers. And I was surprised that they were going to take him. Because it was for a while on the NBA trade deadline that they were saying that uh, the Lakers might get rid of Westbrook and trade for Kyrie Irving. That ended up not happening, but they did get rid of Westbrook. And I was shocked because he was playing great basketball. I mean, well, maybe not great. I think a lot of people are disappointed by it. But when you're in there and you're playing with LeBron and you're playing with Anthony Davis and you're playing with, you know, whoever else might be in there. I mean, the Lakers have – and it's like everybody in the brother that's any that has ever been anybody in the NBA, it's like you have to sign with the Lakers for at least a week in your NBA career. I mean – Look in just the last few years, all the veterans that went there just for a little bit towards the end of the career. It's kind of sad. I mean, uh, yeah, LeBron James, but look at it. I mean, Danny Green, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony. I mean, I could go on and on. Dwight Howard. A lot of NBA players. It's like Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly went there. I didn't understand that at all. So, it's a lot going on. But when you look at the two championship teams, like the Royals, 
I don't like the Warriors, but one thing I respect about the Warriors is that all of their star players were drafted there. Other than when Kevin Durant was there. Other than Stephen Curry was drafted. Klay Thompson, drafted. Draymond Green, drafted. There's something admirable about that. They do have Wiggins from the Timberwolves, but that doesn't count. But there was something admirable about that. And the same case is true with the Celtics for the most part. Jason Tatum, drafted. Jalen Brown, drafted. Uh, Marcus Smart, drafted. They pick the playoffs based off what they want the team to be, and then they stay there. So it's not like they'll do in this, you know, thing where we're going to take all the playoffs from each team, like, you know, a star is born, like, just star-strutted, and we're just going to put them all together and stack them on each of each other. That doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So there's something really admirable about that, and they grow in the team, and that didn't happen overnight. They had several years of being okay to where they had to train these players, and now they're championship material, in my opinion. So I look forward to seeing where we go from here. You know, again, the Phoenix Suns are playing great basketball. Uh, Danville Nuggets are playing incredible basketball. Celtics are playing incredible basketball. The biggest upset was the number one team in the NBA, Milwaukee Brewers, with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Lost to the Miami Heat, which was a play-in team originally. They had to play in to get in the playoffs, and then they lost. And I mean, and then they beat the Milwaukee B- B- Bucks pretty bad. Now, would that have happened if Giannis hadn't been injured in the last couple games? It's still been battling the injury. Well, probably not. But it's unfortunate that that happened. But at the same time, Jimmy Butler played great basketball. Tyler Hero played great basketball. Um, who else? I could go on and on, but I think a lot of people are going to end up remembering that because that was just crazy. But it's good if you're a Celtics fan because they were your big competition in the conference. So now you don't even have to worry about them. Of course, my bracket was busted, but hey, we'll see how it is. Uh, Lakers beat the Grizzlies. That was something that had me crying. Not really, but uh, Memphis Grizzlies were playing stellar basketball. John Morant is the real deal. You know, controversy aside, he's playing good basketball. And if he's already getting this kind of acclaim, this only in his career with the Memphis Grizzlies, I think that says something about the kind of player that he is talent-wise. Of course, also Dylan Brooks is on that team. Steven Adams that used to play for the uh, Thunder, the Australian guy, New Zealand. Uh, Yeah, so they ended up coming out strong, won the first game. Uh, won a couple games, but the Lakers ended up coming back, and they won. And, you know, LeBron James, who I'm obviously not a fan of for a lot of reasons on and off the court. Uh, you've heard me talk about that on this podcast. But when you look at that, they won, but they shouldn't have won. But, yeah, LeBron James, he was getting mouthy with all the players. He was bragging, just being really classless. Uh, especially with how young of a team the Memphis Grizzlies have. But, yeah, the Lakers advance. Now, do I think they last one cold second in this next round? No. And I don't know. Has it been decided who they're playing yet? With Now that they advance to this next round, are they playing the... Um, they're not playing the... The Heat is in our division. So they're going to have to advance to the next round 
and they're going to be playing to survive to advance to the next round. But I would love if the Celtics played them in the in the finals. If the Lakers somehow, by literally the grace of God, they move up to the championship. If they get the if they win the conference and go play in the championship, and the and the Celtics are playing against them, that would be a dream come true for every Celtics fan. Because out this Celtics team would beat them like a drum. That would almost be too easy. Because the Lakers. The fact that they won this was a fluke. So now they're really going to have to step up and play good basketball in this next round if they want to have a shot. But they won't. They won't last a minute. But yeah, the Celtics would have. This Celtics team will beat that Lakers team. Remember, I remember watching it in primetime. And it's yet to be decided who the Lakers will play in round two. They will play either the Sacramento Kings or Golden State Warriors, which I think has been one of the best teams to watch. I mean, the Sacramento Kings, which has the broke the biggest playoff drought in NBA history to play this year. I think that says something. Uh, hadn't made the playoffs... In a very long time. I don't, they haven't made the playoffs as long as I've been alive, if that tells you anything. I think. Since like 2005. So, that should tell you a lot, really. And then we're going to keep going here and see where they go. But they ended up winning the false game, which I loved. They've won several games. So, it goes to Game 7 tonight. And we'll know tonight, I guess. But, don't like the Golden State Warriors. Just because, same reason I didn't like the New England Patriots when Tom Brady was with them. They won too much. Same reason I don't like the Houston Astros. They win too much in their Cheetos. And that Patriots team cheated. And I don't know if they cheat, but I'm not a huge fan of the coach and Steve Cohen. It would be an incredible story to see the Sacramento Kings win. And I wish them the best. And it's just a great story. they got a great team. DeAndre Fox is playing prime basketball. Prime basketball. And he's a great player. And I love his style as a point guard. Because he plays the point guard position so well. He's small, but he has great vision. He shoots great three-pointers, great defense, locks it down. He DeAndre Fox actually reminds me, ironically enough, a lot of uh, Coy. So we'll see that where that goes. We might keep you updated on that. But uh, we're going to take a break. Take a break from the show, take a break from the sports, and when we get back, we'll get into some news, some politics, and some current events. We're talking 2024, we're talking Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon, we're talking South Carolina State House. we're talking a lot of other things. We'll be right back. I want to take this time to tell you about our sponsor, Wise File Cafe and Bookstore. Wise File Cafe is located on 114 North Shelby Street, Blacksburg, South Carolina. Uh, you can look at their menu at wisefilecafe.com and continue to uh, visit their place if you have if you already uh, if not be sure to check them out when you're in town uh, thank you All right, and we are back going places with Camden Clark. Uh, getting into all the nitty-gritty here in the political world. 
It's been a big week. Been a big, big week. Uh, 2024 is heating up. Uh, a lot of the different things that you see going on there. Uh, and I'm talking everyone. Uh, so many candidates are going to continue to pour in. So it's really hard to go ahead and you know make too many predictions. But we're going to get into that. Uh, Tech, of course, and Don Lemon both let go. I'm happy about one. I'm not happy about the other. And uh, also... Uh, big things happening on happening locally in the South Carolina uh, state legislature. So we're going to get into that. 2024, I think, is going to be the most consequential election of our lifetime, maybe in American history. Joe Biden announced Tuesday he was running for re-election. Said we're in a battle for the soul of this nation, and we got to finish the job. That's his logo. Finish the job. That's his motto. Finish the job. So that's what everyone's reposting now. Do you think we could have came up with anything better to say? Finish the job. Whose idea was that? I don't know. It sounds kind of odd, I guess. Finish the job, Joe. We'd rather you didn't. We'd rather you didn't finish the job. We'd rather you ease on out of the job. We'd, we'd rather you just not. There's never been a more destructive president in American history than Joe Biden. When you look at the things that he has done in just these few short years, how could he run again? How could he run again? How could he? With the worst inflation in, almost 40, in over 40 years, with the border crisis, which is tearing this country up, which people are fired up about, um, you listen to people. That's what they. That's what people are upset about that. When you look at the mishandling of the Afghanistan withdrawal, uh, giving the bank to Ukraine when we still when we still haven't protected our southern border, how can we do that? How can we? What kind of? How can you do that and then one for re-election? Some Norfie must have, I tell you. So yeah, he announces, not in real life, of course. He made a video, a very packaged, filmed video. Of course, it started with January 6th footage because they're going to milk that to death. They will use that as long as they can. One day, six hours of... A small percentage of the people who were there being terrible. And I'm was it terrible? Yes. I watched it. I watched it live on television. It was terrible. And the people I will say this, the people who went to the Capitol made bad decisions. They did the wrong thing. They did not do the right thing. But when you look at in terms of an insurrection, were they disrupting a process of an elected president? Yes. Is that wrong? Yes. Was it good? No. But an insurrection implies a revolution. That is simply not what is happening. Do not think French Revolution breaking into the French palace like you think of and beheading Marie Antoinette. Do not think of that. Don't think... 
of the American Revolution or the Russian Revolution. Because in all those situations, you know what they had? I mean, Cuba with Castro, uh, Gaddafi, and where's he from? Sudan? It can't be that. It's not that bad. Because all of those things were done by force. They were done with violence. They were done with model. That did not happen. Nobody was armed that was coming across. That's just the truth. Nobody had arms. Nobody broke up in there killing people, shooting people, tying people up. That didn't happen. What you did see was disruption, which was bad. But yes, so they're going to milk this for all they got. Saying it was an interaction. They were trying to take over the government. That's not what happened. But in typical democratic form, lying through their teeth. Uh, but they're going to milk that for all they've got. Because if you think about that, you won't think about the three months of the summer of violence that we saw with actual rioting in the streets every day, which was condoned and supported by the Democratic Party. You won't talk about the threats that Maxine Waters has made, the violent threats that she has made. You won't talk about uh, Rashid Tlaib. You won't talk about AOC. You won't talk about a lot of these uh, people that support violent rhetoric. I didn't even have that written down for me to talk about. I just kind of went on a little soapbox sale. That's what happens when you let me go solo. I know we're going. We might go a little longer today. That's what happens when you let me go solo. I feel like one of the radio people. I feel like Rush Limbaugh or Dennis Prager or Sean Hannity. You get in here by yourself, you just kind of let loose a little bit. Uh, anyway, 2024 is heating up. Biden's running again. Because you look at it, okay, if he doesn't run, who else is going to run then? If not him, who on the Democratic side? Who? Okay, they have to let him. They have to have him run. If they don't run him, who are they going to run? Kamala? Kamala, you know, I truly do believe Kamala was purely a, a diversity pick to sum up because during that time, and even now, nobody want to, wants to vote for an old white man. Nobody does for president that, you know, doesn't know what day of the week it is and thinks that, you know, whatever. So I truly do believe that Kamala Harris was truly a diversity pick because they couldn't have picked her based off of talent, based off capability based off of the ability and know-how to do the job, because she doesn't have it. She just kind of sits there and stands there and grins and laughs and says phrases that don't really have any meaning and uses words, but not in the right way. So we continue to see that happening. Who else? They don't want who? Pete Buttigieg? That might be a little bit better than Kamala Joe, but... Can he win? Probably not. He probably doesn't have the experience. What they are going to hope for and pray for is that Trump gets the Republican nomination. Because Trump might be so bad for voters, he might just be bad enough for Biden to beat him. Might just be bad enough. So, if you're a Democrat, you better hope and pray that Trump is the nominee, because you might beat him. Probably will. But the rest of the candidates, they don't have a shot. 
So this is really all they got, because the rest of the candidates in that race will beat Joe Biden. They will beat a Democrat. They will beat Kamala. Gavin Newsom has endorsed Joe Biden. Gavin Newsom, one of the worst governors in American history, shut down California at a criminal rate, yet was at the French Laundry, sent his son to private school that was still open, wasn't wearing a mask, all this. He's endorsed him. They were saying maybe he should have ran. Maybe he should have. He'd probably be better than them because he's kind of, you know, he's younger. He at least has policy ideas that he's actually able to enact. But otherwise, Democrats are in bad shape. So as someone in the Republican Party, here's my message. It's not, we don't have a guaranteed victory at all. We don't have a guaranteed victory at all. What we have to do is we have to go in there and we have to play our cards right. For the presidency, to get the Senate back, and to keep the House. And hopefully grow the House. So, let's let's start dropping names. Let's get into nitty-gritty. It's been a really cool two weeks for me. I uh, got the opportunity. Ron DeSantis, uh, the great Ron DeSantis, came to the great state of South Carolina. Spartanburg, I got to volunteer at that event. Got to usher people. Got to scan tickets. Got VIP seating. Got to shake his hand. Get a picture. Uh, sign. He signed my book. Ron Santos is great. Uh, I think he's one of our best options. If not, he's really he is our strongest option. I think from experience to capability. And let me just tell you right now, he's running. And I know there's starting to be a bit of a dip in uh, enthusiasm for him. But let me tell you right now, he is going to do an incredible job. I think it's just getting started for him. I think he's going to win. I think he's going to beat Trump. He might be one of the few players in this race that can actually beat Trump in the Republican Party, if not the only one. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, he's doing this for a reason, but it was an absolute honor to be there and to meet Ron DeSantis, um, who I think is you know, the best candidate in this race if he gets in, who I think is uh, will be the Republican nominee and who I think will be the next president of the United States. If he runs, and he will, you know, there's a little bit of speculation. If also start to get a little worried, is he going to run? Maybe, maybe not. But then he puts the book out. He starts going on this Florida blueprint tour all over America, all over the primary states in Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. One of the great things about living in South Carolina is that a lot of the candidates come in early because it's an only primary state. So I really enjoy that, you know. And I'm going to have a lot of great opportunities, especially with me being so involved directly in politics now to really get to experience this and to get to see them and hear from them directly in person. What was probably cooler than that, though, and let me just tell you, he is running because now he's doing this world tool, which uh, a lot of people are complaining about. I don't like that. I don't like though. There's nothing wrong with that. He's going to Israel. Yes, he's going to Japan. He's doing this to strengthen allies and strengthen trade within Florida and those countries. Because Joe Biden's not going to do it. He's not going to. He's not good with trade. He's not good with the economy. But DeSantis is. So he's going over there to strengthen those ties himself. And if he is running for president and he's doing that because that's fine if that's the reason. He doesn't have to explain himself. That is great. Good. See him with Netanyahu. Great. Um... Yeah, so I expect an announcement. I've read a report where he's going to launch his uh, presidential exploratory campaign May 11th or May 12th. Great. So I think Ron DeSantis, where we go from here? I think he announces soon. I think 
It's going to be a really tough primary, but I think he wins. All this about Trump's got it locked down, that's laughable in my opinion. Trump does not have it locked down. If you talk to any voter out in the open, you know he doesn't have it locked down. You know, Trump lives in fantasy world at Mar-a-Lago where people tell him what he wants to hear. He's surrounded by yes man. He lives in a little playground, and he thinks he's got it locked down. But people tell that. I know I haven't really, you know, spoken about 2024 in a while, but Trump's not our guy. Uh, he was the best president of my lifetime by far, best uh, president I've seen yet. He was an incredible president. That was from 2017 to 2021. Since then, he's fell off the rails, in my opinion. He's gone off the deep end, and he's just not the leader that we need. I think it will send a message. It will make us look bad if we nominate him again in 2024. Because it looks bad for the Democrats. It's like, really, Biden? Really, Democrats? That's the best you could come up with? I think it says the same thing for Republicans. If we nominate him, really, that's the best you could come up with again for the third time. We've not you. You can't get anyone better that you've had to nominate the same candidate three years in a three three elections in a row. Mm, that's not great. But we'll see where it goes from here. I think DeSantis will get in. I think his numbers will skyrocket. I think his support will skyrocket. I think he will beat Trump. Meanwhile, an even cooler moment just happened today. Vivek Ramaswamy, another excellent candidate in the election, came to uh, Spartanburg today. Got to spend some time with him. Got to speak with him. Got to you know talk with him in the town hall format. Got to take a picture with him. You know maybe we'll have something coming up soon for you. But uh, yeah, I was super super impressed by him. He was so bright. And one thing I'll, t- I'll give you about Vivek, Vivek is the most real candidate in this election. More than Trump, more than DeSantis, Vivek is the most real, genuine, true candidate. He's such just a real person. I mean, he would say things, you would ask him a question, maybe been a difficult question, maybe it been kind of an out-of-the-blue question that he wasn't really thinking about. He has an answer right there because he's so in the moment and he's so intelligent. Um, when you look at others... You know, I mean, he was very postable. You know, I got to, you know, spend a moment with him, got to shake his hand, speak with him for a couple minutes. Um, He was great. Unfortunately, a lady collapsed from dehydration. He immediately ran directly over to her and gave her his water. I mean, I think that shows a lot. So I think he is probably the best Paulson-wise, I mean, uh, character-wise in this election. I would love to see him do something big. And if he doesn't get it, I would love to see him, you know, Maybe a cabinet position or senate, something like that. Gosh, do something. He would be great. But, uh, yeah, so I really enjoyed that. Think about Vivek. Vivek would be like, because he is a businessman. He's not from the political world. So I think he would be great. And um, whatever ends up happening. Nikki Haley will be coming to Greel, South Carolina. I'll be going there to see her. Uh, I look forward to that. I hope I get a chance to meet her. Uh, Nikki Haley's great. I think she would be an excellent, you know, I think she's probably my second or third choice under, you know, DeSantis or Vivek or someone. Uh, I think my dream ticket is DeSantis Haley 24 because you would have DeSantis who, in my opinion, is the once-in-a-lifetime candidate. DeSantis is a once-in-a-lifetime candidate because he is just so great. He's yet to say anything I disagree with, and he's probably one of the only politicians in America who I can say that about. There's nothing I disagree with. Of course, Tim Scott's probably going to end up getting that race, and that's fine. You know, I think he's, I think Tim Scott's incredible. I just don't know if this is his time, compared, uh, considering who else is in there. But we'll see. Because then you would also take Nikki Haley, who would be great 
because she has had such huge economic success with jobs and the economy and GDP numbers in South Carolina and bringing businesses in. Great with the economy. Double-edged sword because she has the most superior foreign policy experience than any other candidate, in my opinion. Just because of her time at the United Nations, I don't know if anyone understands foreign policy as good as she does. Now, me and her maybe have some disagreements on foreign policy in regards to wars and infighting and Ukraine and things like that. She's probably a bit more neoconservative. I know. I hope that's not a bad world in all cases than I am. But that's okay. I think she'll do an incredible job. And if not, maybe Secretary of State. But she definitely has a place. Same with all these people. DeSantis has a place. Scott has a place. Vivek certainly has a place. So we'll see what ends up happening. But, um... Again, I preface this. It's really so early to tell. But we'll see what happens. Trump... Trump has said that he won't participate in debates because they didn't consult me. Like, he dissolves that. Problem with Trump, Trump needs to be treated like any other candidate, if not a little bit harder in this election. He thinks that things are going to be handed to him. He thinks he's entitled. And that's a problem. And that goes back to my theory about Trump. When Trump first ran, it was, I'm of this world, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to take the bullet for you. Since 2020... It's, you need to take a bullet for me. He just, his his thinking, I think he's lost it a little bit. I think he's, I think he's gone swamp a little bit, if you will. But DeSantis hasn't, I can't say that about him. So, it'll be interesting to see how this heats up. Uh, We'll definitely cover this extensively in the coming months and leading up to the election, which is next November. So, we'll see where it goes from there. In other news, on Monday, uh, Don Lemon was rele- was filed from CNN uh, after a downward spiral, uh, after months of speculation this was coming. He's had several slip-ups. He's had, he's had several faux pas, if you will, uh, from his offensive comment about women's prime and age that he made about Nikki Haley. That caused a lot of controversy to his uh, sexual assault allegations, which are still in court. People forget about that a lot. Yes, that's a real thing. Those are legitimate allegations. Well, they have the potential to be. You know, everyone's innocent until proven guilty, including him. But, you know, you look at him, it looks like it could happen. Look at the allegations, I mean. Uh, The other thing that I'm seeing a lot right now is the main reason for this may have been what's the the straw that broke the camel's back. Maybe might have been his exchange with Vivek Ramaswamy, who said, when he said that uh, he can't talk about uh, black experience until he's black or until, you know, just said a lot of inappropriate, off-the-cuff, personal things that you don't do. It was very unprofessional. And CNN's shaking up, you know, they got the new guy in there, liked, liked, however you say his name. Uh, he's the new CEO. He's making it happen. They got rid of Chris Cuomo, got rid of uh, Seltzer, Brian Seltzer, who was terrible. Now they got rid of Don Lemon. They could just get rid of Anderson Cooper. They might be going somewhere. They might not be the worst devil after all. But I think that was a great thing. And, of course, he's got to come out and play the victim and say, I had no idea that this was happening. I did not see this coming. Uh, they didn't even let me come to the office to meet. I requested, and they didn't. Uh, they wouldn't let me get my stuff, all this. 
That's terrible. And thankfully, his co-workers and his co-hosts called him out on it. They said, you know what? Actually, you're lying. That's not what happened. You were given the opportunity to come meet with the executives. You were, come, you, were, you were given the ability to come and meet with the staff. You were given the ability to come and get your things. You chose not to. Stop creating this false narrative. But that's what he does. That's what a lot of people in the media do. They create false narratives. That's what they do for a living. Why not they do it there? The even bigger story is the media giant and by far the most influential people in our media. I don't know if we've ever had anyone as influential as Tucker Carlson in media. His tenure at Fox ended this week, and there's been a lot of controversy surrounding that, and I understand that. But it's difficult to understand for me. But trying to figure it out, I look at it like, okay, so Tucker Carlson gets out. Top of the ratings. Biggest show at Fox. Biggest show in the world by far. Just to let you know how media works. If you look at the numbers, it's like all the mainstream me- mainstream media news channels. MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, News Nation, whatever. CNN, of course. It's like that. And then way above it, it's Fox, it's Fox and Tucker Carlson. Way up there. It's like can't even compare. And then way above Tucker Carlson is the Joe Rogan experience. How funny is that? But yeah, as far as television news goes, Tucker Carlson has been the guy. I mean, when you look at all that he's unveiled, everything from the Ukraine thing to January 6th, to his interviews with Elon Musk, Kanye, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, whoever, he has been in a league of his own lately. But they pulled the plug on him at the height of his fame, at the height of his success. And there's a lot of controversy around it. And here's my take on it. You know, I've seen a lot of things. We're going to protest Fox. Fox is done. Mm, No, they're not. Fox isn't built on a personality just like no channel. No no cable news channel is going to be built on one personality. Fox was big before Tuckle. They'll be big after Tuckle. I don't think it's fair to blame Fox or the Murdoch family. And here's why. There's a lot of allegations going on saying it was because of a prayer that he prayed at at the Heritage Foundation speech. It was because of uh, rude texts that he had sent about employees there, it was, whether it was about uh, Ukraine or whatever, whatever it may be. I don't think it was that. I think I mean, you know, some people have said it had to do with the Dominion lawsuit. I don't believe that. I do not believe that. Uh, so stop with the conspiracy around this because I think it's creating a lot of uh, unneeded tension around this. Sometimes departures just happen. Dan Bongino, they let him go to get the day before, the, the week before. It wasn't because of that. It was because they couldn't agree to an extension. That's what he said. He said, hey, it was nothing controversial. I love Fox. They just couldn't agree to an extension. I don't know why Tucker Carlson, but if you were watching Fox just for the ability to listen to Tuckle. I understand that, but I don't think a lot of people will that way. So I was saying, oh, Fox isn't allowed. Fox is canceled, all, all that. I don't think that's a good idea. Sometimes things just happen like that. So there's no evidence for any of that. You know, of course, you did have the Dominion suit, $787 million. Million or billion? Yeah, million. Uh, I don't know all the settlement. I don't know all the details there, but there's a lot of conspiracy. And there's a lot of conspiracy going around about that. Uh, 
I think it's a shame. I'm sad. I like Tucker. I love Tucker. I've had an interesting relationship with Tucker. One-sided, of course, but, you know, loved him at first. Kind of got turned off to him last year. Kind of quit listening. Kind of had him on my bad list. But suddenly, I just kind of woke up and I realized he's great. So I really got into Tucker. I've had an opportunity to listen to him on a lot of different podcasts as well as his show. And he's just brilliant. I, I don't think we've ever had a journalist in America quite like him. So he'll be missed, but he'll be doing something different. If you think he's going anywhere, he's just getting started. You know, he's got his organization, The Daily Call, who have a lot of offers. If I'm him, I go independent. I start a podcast or a YouTube show, something like that, and do that instead. But I think the White's reaction to Tucker Carlson's departure highlights a bigger issue of the double standard of fake news. Conservatives love to scream love to scream fake news at the mainstream media. And are they right? Yes. But part of me thinks they know that Fox Ben's conservative, Ben's right, and they're okay with that. So here's what I say to that. If you're watching Fox just because it tells you what you agree with, you need to grow up. You need to grow more. Because if you're doing that, you're just as bad as the left. Who's glued to CNN? You're just as bad as that Karen glued to CNN. Because it tells her what she wants to hear. You, you go in there, you watch CNN. Oh my gosh, they gotta wear a mask. They're coming for me. COVID. Oh, Trump. He's the worst person ever. DeSantis. Ukraine. If you watch the news so much, if you watch CNN, that's what you'll believe. And that's what so many people are. But it's the same case on the right. Oh, they're coming for me. I'm watching, you know... OAN or Newsmax or some, you know, propaganda machine like that. I mean, when they tell you that they're conservative media, OAN, uh, Fox, I mean, not Fox, Fox is great, OAN, Newsmax, don't, I, I don't recommend watching that because they are conservative. They are openly conservative, just as TYT or MSNBC, whoever else is openly liberal. So that isn't really news, that's opinion. If you want to listen to opinion, that's fine, but don't take that as news. Don't take that as facts, because it's an opinion, you know? I was taught two different things. There's opinion, and those facts. I'm opinion. If you listen to me, if you listen to Going Places, that's opinion. I'm giving you my opinion. Now, hopefully, I will give you my opinion along with facts. Hopefully, I state the facts in stating my opinion. But you know that everything I say, it's going to come from a conservative approach. It's going to come from a Republican approach. It's going to come from a Christian approach. It's going to come from a American approach. That doesn't mean that it's not true, but that's just where it's coming from. I miss the good old days where you didn't know what the news reporter thought because they just told you the news. They didn't tell you opinion. They told you the news because that's what their job was to do. So if you're watching, you know, Fox, that's news. It's not their job to give you opinion. Now, if you listen to Tucker, if you listen to Sean, especially Sean, you listen to others, that's opinion. But hopefully, just like me, they're giving you facts with the opinion. Now, if you watch, you know, the morning show, was it Fox and Friends, The Five, all that that's news. They should just be going over the news there. Newsmax isn't news. It should be called Opinion Max. 
because all they do is, hey, this is what you want to heal. That's what you want to do. And I love listening to opinion. But I think all of this highlights a bigger problem in the conservative world is that there's a double standard when it comes to fake news. They love to preach. I mean, let me just, I was just reading some insane comments about this. Fox going woke. That's not going woke. That's business to me. Uh, oh, I'll, I will never watch Fox again. Fox is canceled in my house. They've gone woke. That was one of the comments. Um, never watching Fox again. They've, they've gave in. They're not giving in. And this is the problem. Conservatives, and I, I hope I can be just as fair of a critic of the conservative movement as the liberal movement, if not more so, because that's where I'm from. And that's who I have to keep us accountable. So when I look at that, and then look at the reaction to Tucker's firing as the Don Lemon's firing, look at Tucker's firing. Here's, here's one of the comments. Uh, I knew Fox was too far gone when they called Arizona for Biden. I remember that night. Was it maybe a little bit too early? Maybe. But I don't see how that's them going off the deep end, going woke, making bad decisions just because they called it. That's their job, to call races. Everyone else had too. I mean, what, what do you want them to do? Be like, no, Trump won California. We're going we're gonna to put that up there. No, because that's propaganda. Facts halt sometimes. Truth halt sometimes. As the great Ben Shapiro said, facts don't care about your feelings. So you have to get in there and you have to realize that. So that highlights the double standard. Oh, I won't watch Fox. I'll just watch Newsmax or OAN because I only want to hear what I agree with. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to have the slightest idea that maybe I don't have it all together. Fox is different from that and here's why. They are news. They cover stories. Do they give you opinion? Yes, but they all give it under the guise of facts. And news. Let me tell you how uh, they are different from CNN or MSNBC. CNN will straight up lie to you. NBC will straight up lie to you. And say, oh, well, there's no evidence for that. Oh, no, nothing. Don't look behind the curtain like the Wizard of Oz. Here's why Fox is different. Do they have a conservative bend? Yes. Do they have a cons- are they more cons- Are they more sympathetic toward cons- towards conservatives and Republicans in the right? Yes. Let me tell you why that isn't a big deal. Because they still report the news. If there was a huge scandal with someone in the Republican Party, I mean, I'm talking like something big, like like uh, Watergate 2.0 or uh, Lewinsky 2.0, they would cover it. CNN won't because they haven't. Hunter Biden has been under investigation. We have the terrible laptop. By the FBI. Charges pending. I'm reading reports saying charges are pending. Or soon to be pending. Against Hunter Biden. For terrible things. And seeing, and, and ma- the entire mainstream media just sat on it. And just zipped their lips and said, oh, there's no support for that. Told you to your face. Lies. That's not happening. That didn't happen. There's no laptop. Well, there's a laptop, but there's nothing on it. Oh, it's nothing that bad on it. Well, there's bad stuff on it, but it's not... What does it matter to you? It's just a private citizen. It's not related to Joe Biden. 
now maybe it is related to Joe Biden as we see the House investigation is still up we'll see what ends up happening yes Fox has a conservative bent but they give you the facts they'll at least tell you about Hunter Biden they'll at least tell you about news stories and CNN won't they'll at least tell you about Eric Swalwell with the Chinese communist spy working for him CNN won't they'll at least tell you about CNN will lie to you with propaganda saying that there's no that ivermectin and hydrochloroquine doesn't work or isn't better than the vaccine let me just tell you they lie to your face when they say that Sanjay Gupta lied to you when he said that because ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were proven to be legit medications for COVID and they said no it isn't because they had ties to big pharma and the vaccine and the big thing with that and I'm not getting into that that's old news that's you know that's I, I think we'll all pass that but that's the difference Fox News will at least tell you news and the facts. And I don't think that's too much to ask. So think about that. Think about a lot of different things regarding to that. So when I hear say I hear people say Fox News is just the conservative CNN, that's not quite true. Fox News is a great organization. Because they tell you the truth. They tell you stories that you will not hear anywhere else. Do they have a conservative bend to them? Yes, but at least they still tell you the facts. They also have way better late night. Look at Greg Gutfield. Greg Gutfield. Tops Jimmy Kimmel. Tops Jimmy Fallon. Tops Colbert. It's not even close. Whoever would have thought of that? Elon Musk was on Bill Moore. Enjoyed that. All right, we're going to close out with something, uh, but something I am disappointed in. We'll cover this next week's episode. We might have a call in from a state legislator. Visited the state, whether it be a senator or state house. I visited the South Carolina State House in Columbia this week. Uh, got to watch the unveiling of a portrait of former Speaker of the House, Jay Lucas. Uh, got to see if I could nice. Got to spend some time with my good friend, Representative Brian Lawson. Uh, I got to meet some great people. Then I went to the Senate. And, of course, uh, they're debating, though they were debating, this abortion bill. Well, for the second year in a row since Roe v. Wade's been overturned, we got to the opportunity to maybe uh, stop abortion once and for all in South Carolina. But, unfortunately, it did not pass by one vote. I was in there watching the debate. Josh Kimball, who's great. Josh Kimball, of course, organized the uh, event for DeSantis. I got to uh, hear him speak there. I've met him before. I met him at the, an event for the governor in Spartanburg. So he gets over, and they're debating the issue, and they're talking about that. And it didn't pass. That was on Tuesday that I was there. Uh, Thursday, there was a vote. Missed by one vote because four of the women filibustered. That is a disgrace. So I think every single member of the South Carolina General Assembly that's a Republican or at least claims to be pro-life should consider a lot right now. Especially with the 2024 state senate elections coming up. It's only every four years that every member is up. Every single voter should hold them accountable to that. Look at them. By one vote, that bill did not pass. By one vote, 
we could have had no abortion in South Carolina, but look what happened. House was ready for it. The governor was ready to sign it, but look what happened. I think that's a disgrace, and that tells a lot about the true character and the true motive of them. It's not hard. It's not a women's issue. It's a human issue. Hold Vivek say that today. It was a shame, but uh, hopefully we'll get some more context on that. Maybe next week we'll get a call in for that. Uh, we're running out of time. So I know this was different. Just wanted to talk with you. Wanted you to hear from me on the Going Places podcast. Uh, check us out on Instagram. Check us out. Uh, Facebook everywhere. Uh, we'll get, we've got some big stuff coming up. I'm very excited about it. We're going to get right in the swing of it. I've got a lot of time to work on it. And uh, stay tuned. Thank you.